0: you Hey friends, welcome to Sabbath School here at Loma Linda University Church. We're so glad that you tuned in this morning in particular. We're breaking our regularly scheduled experience with Pastor Miguel and Pastor Joey for a really, really meaningful weekend. This weekend in particular at the Loma Linda University Church, we are the host for the North American Division Young Adult Life Tour. This is a moment actually for our church, which is pretty special being recognized as a church and community that is thriving and has something very meaningful for young adults in the North American division. And so they have highlighted our church this weekend as being one of these spaces that others could potentially learn from or just experience a community of young adults that are passionate on fire for Jesus. And so this morning, you are in for a treat because we're doing something called Listening to Young Adults. And this is really an experience where we're going to talk about some research on young adults in Adventism. We're going to discuss some scripture together, and you're going to hear from three amazing young adults that are in our community here And I think you are going to be really blessed. But you're going to also need to prepare your heart and mind for some challenging ideas. Challenging ideas both in the research and from what they share. And so my hope is that you would truly be as humble and that we would be as humble as we can as we speak but also that we would have a meaningful conversation together. You're going to be having a conversation in your head as you're listening on, but we're going to be having a conversation here as well. And so my prayer is that God would lead your mind and heart as we talk about both his word and hear from our young adults this morning. So right now, I want to introduce to you our young adults that we have. So, hey, good morning. Good to see you guys. Good
1: morning.
2: Good
0: morning. We're glad Glad to be here. Thank you for being here. So to my left, this is one of my good friends. Her mom is one of our pastors on our team. Laya, Uh, you are a community director at Azure Hills Church. A lot of people also call you pastor out there. That's kind of one of your passions, ministry and really reaching people. You have next to her, uh, Kelly Lynn Dickinson. She just got married, which is amazing. (laughs) Hallelujah. And uh, she is our young adult intern pastor here at the University Church. Then next to her is Carl Lindsay, native Australian, which is amazing. He's one of our church elders and he's also the uh, evangelism director at Quiet Hour Ministries. So thank you and welcome to all three of you for being here.
3: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: So let's jump into it. Um, but before we kind of jump into the topic, I want to jump into kind of God and, and some, some prayer. And so, Laya, would you bless us right now?
1: Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves right now in your presence. And we ask that this conversation may be spirit-led, God. Um, warm our hearts And our minds, God, to receive a word from you. And above all, God, we surrender and acknowledge that your word is above everything, that you are above everything. And so we ask that you just reveal yourself to us in this conversation, all of us. In your name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So an interesting fact about the United States is that the average American is in their mid-30s, actually low 30s, kind of 34, 35. But if we look at the statistics in our church, the average median age is 56, 57. The number seems to keep going up. When we think about those who are in our church, then we have to realize majority are older, And that shapes the church in many different ways. One fascinating thing to kind of consider then is from our older church members' perspective, when they were growing up, if we start with them first, if that's kind of the majority of who's represented in our church, what was life like for them? Those of you watching, you're going to see a graph pop up. And this shows a timeline of what life was like for the young adult at 1950. A very linear path. You move from high school to potentially college or you move into a manufacturing job that makes a really well kind of uh, big salary to sustain both you, a home, children, car, a wife, you know. And then you have kids. You get married. It's just the path goes pretty sequentially. But now you're going to see a next graph. And this looks at what life is like for those today young adults in this world it's pretty pretty meandering wandering going up and down left and right the path is no longer linear but it is truly a winding road up and down and all around so my first question kind of thought and topic for us just to kind of talk about the difference in our church experience based on our older church members and how they grew up and how we're really growing up today
2: I also think young adults today, let's just define the age right now because I think a lot of people aren't really sure like what is a young adult. So young adults are 18 to, I'm actually not really sure myself.
3: I'd say 35. That's how how you kind of see on the surveys when it's, what is your demographic? Yeah. That's how we tend to put people. But really, like we were talking about before we started recording, it's really the idea of... Life stage and whether yeah. you're married and have kids and that's kind of seems to be the mm-hmm. the actual chapter when mm-hmm. the chapter changes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think like looking at today's young adults, like I'm 32 mm-hmm. and I just got married. But in my parents' time, that's actually really late to get married, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we see this new, like, modern times. It's everyone's doing things a little bit later. But I don't think it's because we're lazy or because we are lost. I think it's because we truly want to find a job that really makes us passionate, right? Like, I've changed my job. I don't know, like my career, like five times before (laughs) I finally decided this is what I want to do and what I feel called to do. Right. But I think it takes time to get there. And a lot of us young adults are not willing to sacrifice anything less than I'm so content in this relationship and this job and this career. And I'm really passionate about it.
3: As you mentioned, Phil, at the beginning, uh, um, I am Australian and I've been in the States now since 2017. And I didn't actually have a full-time job until I was 27. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those those 8 to 10 years out of high school, it was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, number one, and not cave in to just some ordinary job that wasn't going to find fulfillment i don't know what it is about the millennial culture and the gen z culture um in today's world but something has given us the opportunity to long for more and we've been able to embrace that even though it it made things look very different
2: yeah like self-care yeah, I don't know if that's what you
1: were talking about. We're no, no, talk- no,
2: please, <laughs> no.
1: You go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm I'm 25, and I was thinking about my journey as well, um, my work journey. And I actually, it's so funny that you're saying you're you're looking for a job that can give you satisfaction because I went into ministry not wanting to be in ministry ever. My mom has been in ministry all her life. And I remember seeing the struggle of being a woman in ministry and thinking, I love women in ministry, but thank God I'm not that woman. (laughs) (laughs) And now here I am coming from social work. So it's just so interesting. And this is the most fulfilling work I've ever done. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny. However, it works out, but God really does Mm. guide our lives Mm. to the work. Yeah. I
0: really like what you said, Carl, just the fact that this generation is longing maybe for more. They've, they've seen, they've tasted something that they want, and they're not going to just kind of, I guess you could say compromise. Yeah. Uh, compromise their own mental health, as you bring up, mm-hmm. Kelly, or compromise just their own personal desires. And some who watch young adults might say, you're lazy, you're not motivated, you don't seem to have direction, like what's going on in your life? how do you respond to
3: someone who's saying, hey, you've wasted 10 years of your life? You know, I look in in my own story. I think, first of all, I think we have to come at it from a position of admitting privilege. Mm. We have the resources and the abundance in today's culture. Yeah, Um, It's not the time of the 1950s, straight after the war, etc. But number two, for me, it was a process of just... uh, Figuring out what I'm actually going to put value into, mm. and where I'm going to actually take take my life and trajectory. Mm.
1: Mm. Also, to your point, job security was really important, if not the most important thing especially for my parents generation my grandparents generation and now I think the newer generations are finding that flexibility in the Mm -hmm, workplace mm -hmm, is more important mm -hmm. and job satisfaction is more Mm -hmm. important than the security of a job or a career we see a lot of young adults taking jobs more than looking for a career to do for the rest of their lives that's true and I think also
2: looking at my parents' generation my dad lived in a culture that was work till you die
1: (laughs) Like,
2: he worked until he was like, I can't hear anymore. I can't, like, stay awake during meetings. He's so cute. But I think, like looking at that, I'm like, I don't want that for myself. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to spend time with my friends and my family and and love what I do and pour myself into it because I love it, not because I have to do it. And so I see this example that my parents set of work till you die culture. We work right away. We make money. We support our family. But at the same time, they're sacrificing so much. And that's something that I didn't want for myself. And so I was like, I want to find something that will fulfill me will bring satisfaction in more than one area of my life, which for him was job security, financial security. And I think someone who might look at us and say, well, you're wasting 10 years of your life. I would look back at the last 10 years and say, that was the most fulfilling 10 years of finding who I really was, what God has truly called me to to be. I don't regret any of the past 10 years, any of the relationships or the career changes. Like, I think all of it was so incredibly fulfilling. And they not only built me up to the person that I am today, but it really guided me to encourage others, like, hey, we're all in this together. And even my brother is a year older than I am, and he has changed his job, his majors, like, way more than I even have. And he's still figuring it out. And I still encourage him and I just say, like, it's okay to not know where you want to be in the next 10 years but focus on like the next month focus on the next six months I think that's what a lot of young adults need to hear today because we get so much anxiety thinking like what's going to happen in the next year and five-year plan and 10-year plan and I think maybe back in the time back in like you know, my, our parents' generation, that was okay because you could plan that stability. But now you look at that trajectory of where there's gap years and there's like you're living on someone's couch for six months, you know? <laughs> like there's so many job changes. I think it's realistic to say let's look at the next month, six months, and year, and that's maybe the most that we can yeah. plan at this point.
3: And I was just going to add to that idea is that, I mean, many of the people look watching are going to be the uh, not young adults, let's just say, and maybe some of them had kids. I was one of those recipients of those comments where it's like, oh, what are you what's, what's your plan for life? In my early 20s, like I said, I didn't get a full-time until I was 27. And so dealing with that, I don't, like you, I don't regret those years because it has made me where I am today and I'm happy where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and But for those like your brother who might not yet be at that place, we have to give them grace. We have to give them uh, space to explore and learn and and figure that out i would say that i think each one of us has to recognize
0: that are watching the world is very different and so if i were to just say a couple of things about that how the world has changed i mean you talk about for instance 1950s when you could graduate from high school you could get a job that in today's kind of financial equivalency would be close to a hundred thousand yeah. dollars you're working in manufacturing a steel mill you're making you know other places you're like wow how is that That just doesn't exist today. We have to get an education because we've moved manufacturing across overseas, different places, so education is paramount. So young adults are paralyzed realizing, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do to provide for so long, and I just don't know. So that's a big one. 1960s and 70s, there was a sexual revolution, Um, a moment in time when the pill changed how sexual norms exist. So young adults are getting married much later as a result of both education kind of moral norms. I'm not saying that is what the church is advocating for. It's just what is happening. Um, and so young adults get married. Now average is 29 to 30, 29 for a woman, 30 for a guy. That's average. That means that many are getting married in their 30s and later. Yeah. So that's a big change. Then you talk about the shift in technology. We're a connected generation, a world that is so different from 19. They didn't even have a cell phone. And we are now in a virtual reality world, you know, you're about to see so much happen in the next 20 years. So I think that is really important for, I think, older generations to recognize because it's easy to kind of look down upon and judge. Well, I can't believe you. You know, you just. So that's the other thing. The last thing I'll say is that we do. Carl, you kind of mentioned that we do live in a privileged society. Young adulthood actually doesn't exist in first world countries. Where poverty is a norm, where people are living on $1 to $2 a day, which is actually over 3 billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. So young adulthood lives in spaces where privilege is possible, where there are financial means and also kind of a more educated class. And so these are some of the troubles in a different society, which is the society we live in here in the United States.
2: And... We have so much more debt from school. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and the housing market oh, yeah. is insane. Like my, my um, husband was driving around his old grandmother's neighborhood and he's like, they bought this house for $50,000. Wow. And we looked it up on Zillow and it was now worth $600,000. Wow. Crazy. That is. It's crazy.
0: That is. It's really hard for young adults to even afford a starter home at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah, and that comes with then a lot of pressure like I have to make more and he's, so there's a lot that young adults are going through. I want to switch us now to talking about maybe a different type of research that is more pointed to our church today. And that is something that came out of the North American Division's partnership with Fuller Theological Seminary in a study called Growing Young. And there were six factors that emerged in this study for churches that were thriving with youth and young adults in churches. And these six factors or commitments, as they call them, were really key to helping a church change its culture and live into a space that supports, engages, and retains youth and young adults. Well, our denomination, and particularly here in the North American Division, we had over 6,500 Adventist members across the United States take this survey. We represented 15% of all the surveys that they did, which is pretty significant for our denomination. And what they found, what I found in my research on this, is that older members, 50-plus, viewed the work done with youth and young adults significantly more positively. They saw then these six commitments, the areas of leadership and theology and warm community and um, making young adults involved everywhere, their families and outreach, all of these aspects that churches that are thriving They saw us doing well at that. Now, the truth, though, is for young adults who are the recipients of these efforts, they saw it completely opposite. Those 18 to 20, 18 to 29, saw that our church is actually doing way below average. Mm -hmm. And they're viewing the church really harshly with a disposition of, no, you don't actually get us. We're not doing that well. Mm -hmm. That even followed people in their 30s and 40s. What do you think about that? I'll start. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: I mean, I think that's pretty accurate, sadly. I think in this community, we are very blessed and truly privileged to be in a community that has hundreds of young adults. But I think in the average American Adventist church. I think back to the church that I grew up in and you go there and you really don't see any young adults. Mm. Um, And I I think now there's this, like people are sticking their heads up and going, wait, where'd all the young people go? And they're, they're trying to to do these new initiatives of like, how do we grow younger? But I think a lot of young adults have, have felt a lot of pain, Mm. a lot of judgment, a lot of shame. Mm. And they said, you know what? I could find church and community anywhere else, Mm. but I'm not finding it here. And so I'm going. Mm. And so we see a lot of young adults changing denominations, going to communities where, you know, Saturday mornings aren't church anymore, but maybe it's a yoga gym. Mm. Maybe it's a book club, but they're finding community elsewhere where they are not being judged Mm. and they don't feel like they're they're being told Mm. what to do. Um, I know for a fact that when I was at my church growing up, some of the older community um, members there would come up to me and I was in college and they'd be like, how's school? And they would continue asking me how school for like the next six years of my life. (laughs) And it was really sweet because I know they wanted to like know how my life is going. But I think there needs to be a change in that question. It's no longer, hey, this person is now young, is a young child. It's like this person's an adult, just like you and me. Mm -hmm. And so we ask questions like, how is how is life? What's new happening in your life? How are things going? What are you excited about? You know, it's questions like that, that open younger people up to saying, oh, you see me as another adult, not as youth 2.0.
3: And that reminds me, when you say you see me, like that reminds me of the the way uh, God talks to um, Hagar, is it Hagar, mm-hmm. at at the well out in the desert and she basically calls God, God, you are a God who sees. Mm. And I I think that's really important that we need to feel seen when we come into a church space. Because if yeah. our members are um, seeing us, then we are more likely to see, feel like God sees us too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's,
0: that's profound. I think the fact that many don't see youth and young adults in their church isn't an anomaly Um, in our Adventist churches. Another study that came out over a thousand churches don't have anyone that is a young person in their church of the 5,000, some uh, established churches in the North American division. And that's a, that's a sad fact. That is a really sad fact.
1: Can can I, can I touch on that a little bit? Um, I'm curious, do you know how, how long Loma Linda university church has been around?
0: I think
1: since the 1960s. Since the 1960s. And it started with a vision, right? Yeah. So my church has been around for about 60 years, Mm -hmm. and it started with a vision. Mm -hmm. So I think we, in some ways, don't feel comfortable empowering young adults to have a vision for our church Mm -hmm. because we're nervous that it will be a vision that doesn't include us. Wow. But the reality is that when we have young adults need mentorship, mm-hmm. everyone needs mentorship, yeah. older adults, younger adults, we all need mentorship. So the church needs intergenerational mm. worship, mm. intergenerational community. Mm. But what we, what is a scary thought, but it's a necessary thing is as the need changes, like we've seen in this community, Young adults have new needs like we need to be seen, mental health resources, self-care practices, all of these things that maybe weren't so prominent in the 60s, but are now. Mm -hmm. So the need changes. So the vision needs to have, needs to be fresh. Mm -hmm. It needs Mm -hmm. to be new. Mm -hmm. And it may be, there may be young adults in your church that have a vision for the church and Mm -hmm. that just don't have a safe space to share that vision. Wow. And... Don't let's not let's not have the ego and the pride to think that we are the ones that determine the vision either. Mm. God gives the vision. Wow. And so there are young adults sitting in your community that have a vision. And when they stand up and they speak and they're in a safe space where they can share that vision, Mm. you will be so surprised how many people stand up with them Mm. and say, I have been dreaming of that for so long. Mm. Wow. Thank you for speaking up. Um, So. Yeah we, uh, I know it's a scary thought, but I really think that at a certain point, whether we like it or not, people are going to start having new visions mm. and church will be redefined wow. in so many wow. ways.
0: That seems to fit Malachi chapter four there at the end. in the last days, young men will dream dreams and women will see vision. And I think that is part of our prophetic calling. actually, as a, as a denomination, we started out with young adults with young adults running things right <laughs> i mean our out of the 3 two of them were young adults it was kind of like an early entrepreneur venture capital startup like young adults running everything and
3: yeah. where have we come to now and sorry i was, I was just going to say uh, yes the in the 1840s 50s 60s when we started was the was the young adults but it when we look at the bible as well it's, the New Testament is full of young adults. Jesus was a young adult. His disciples were young adults. And obviously they lived for a few decades later, so they got older, of course. Um, but it is full of young adults starting things. Mm. Uh, and mm. I really think that's easy to miss in the pages of Scripture. Mm.
0: Some people may look at that and say, I feel like I'm left out. Not every generation is included.
3: Hey, Simeon was in there. He was like 80 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Lai, you brought up a really great point. You know, the intergenerational um need is there you know i don't think young adults are saying hey you know stay away from us that's right. that's the last thing mentorship i've yearned for mentor all these years kind of growing up as a, as a young adult like would someone kind of come alongside like yeah. take me under their wing like show me the next chapter of my life and help me you know so that's not what we're saying but it is there is a need though to prioritize could i say that word maybe mm-hmm prioritize young people in the church for the sake of actually every generation Mm -hmm. flourishing. And that was actually found in the Growing Young Study that when churches at a, you could say, disadvantage to all the other generations, primarily focused on young people, actually every generation flourished.
3: Um, Can you talk about the research that you mentioned earlier uh, with the teenagers?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was something that really caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting this when I was studying this. But So those who are 50 plus saw the church very positively, above average, but so did high schoolers that were in the survey. Those 14 to 17 saw the church even in some categories even higher than those who are 50 plus. They didn't see the church below average in caring for young people.
3: Why did that... Kind of emerge. I think going back to my own experience when yeah. I, in the early two thousands in that first decade, when I was a teenager, our, my parents and my parents' friends, my friends' parents, uh, they were involved in in the ministry of the young people. So they were helping set Sabbath School. And this is obviously in a smaller church, um, and so I think we get a good picture. Of that and there's lots of things happening and they're running Pathfinders or all that kind of stuff Um, and I was actually involved in in church uh, I don't know how often but running the slides for the PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff and that involved me getting everything ready on Thursday or Friday night after school and so I think those types of involvement was really good but then I hit, I got my driver's license at 17 or something and I went to my friend's church where I th- felt like things were more active. But what I actually did was I unplugged from a community and that uh, I think that it had some detrimental effects over time. Um, and I'm still in the church and I didn't go anywhere. But I think for those in my friend circle or in the church Sabbath school as a, as a teenager they might have also unplugged and didn't go anywhere else and then it kind of leads on to them eventually disengaging completely
2: yeah i think it's also having there's a lot of children's programs there's a lot of programs for high schoolers and youth and i think young adults are brand new. I mean, it's only emerged in the last, I mean, our generation, really. And so I think because young adults are such a new and almost like odd space in the church, no one really knows to knows what to do with us.
3: We was I was I mean, I shouldn't speak for you guys, but <laughs> I was scared to make that transition from Sabbath school for uh, eighteen, nineteen year old yeah. into okay, what next? Do yeah, I go join true. the adults?
2: You j- you join the adults yeah. and everyone. No like, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. But I think what's interesting is um, I love what we we've just been talking about. I love what you said too, Lia. It's um it reminds me of a story that when I went to go train to be an Adventist Christian Fellowship, which is um, public university campus directors, essentially, and Adventist um, ambassadors that are also students that go onto public university campuses and kind of lead a club. So I went to one of these trainings in Ontario, Canada, Canada, and there was a guy there that was, you know, in his 20s, and he was saying, my job requires me to basically, like, transfer money from account to account, he probably transfers millions of dollars in his hands from different accounts. He said, my job has so much like trust trust, that you have to trust this person to transfer all this money. And he said, but my church won't even give me the church key to the front door.
0: Wow.
2: And I think there just needs to be a conversation of Hey, you are seen, right? Like what you said, you are included. Hey, we have space for you. We're starting a young adult group. We're starting a young adult Sabbath school so that you don't feel like you go from 18 to 40 all of a sudden. And I think knowing like, because he was in that conversation of like, what do young adults need? he said, I just wish that there was space for us.
3: Mm. And I don't know what that looks like in every church. We're obviously here at Loma Linda where there's um, a significant number of ad- young adults, but in the smaller spaces, in the smaller churches, and maybe some of you are listening from those, from those churches, I think that's kind of needed to be a place where you can start creating. You can act as a youth pastor just on your own accord. You don't have to get paid. You can just say, hey, I'm going to actually invest in the young people in my church And uh, and on Sabbath morning, we will have... Let's get together with the five of you and just explore Bible study. Take us out for breakfast during the week. I don't know, whatever that looks like. um, That's so good. Build those friendships.
2: Yeah. And I think having that vision is paramount to starting something. Um, When I was up in... I'm from the Seattle area. And when I was up in the Seattle area, we had maybe like eight young adults who just wanted to hang out on Friday nights. And so we started... Just of Friday Night Vespers. And it was like five to eight people. It grew to 20. It grew to 30. It grew to 100. And it grew to this point where we're like, we're too large and we don't want to keep (laughs) growing. So let's go to our individual churches and plant and grow there because we want an intergenerational church. We want to pour into a space where we see younger folks coming in and older folks and we're able to commune together. I think there's beauty in that. And that's what we want we don't want to like just separate us as like a cool yeah. club or anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think if we're going to talk about some spaces of of really needed innovation, I think that category of young adulthood is really one of those times right now that our church needs to pay attention. When I say our church, I mean every church member that's watching right now. If you don't have a small young adult group of people there, you got to start asking yourself who are people that I can think of that are in that category that I need to start calling and need to start inviting to a small little home gathering? You provide some food. You have someone say, hey, here's a topic I think that would be really meaningful and relevant relevant to your life because it can't just be, hey, we're going to read The Great Controversy. <laughs> as wonderful as The Great Controversy is, it can't be the starting place. You might get to that, but you got to say, hey, let's talk about how did the early disciples do life as young adults? What can we learn from them in their season of growth as as kind of, oh, okay, that's an interesting topic. That's in my life. Okay. And you jump into that. But a little church that doesn't have many resources doesn't have to have a lot of resources. It has to have people that are passionate to do something. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is building a network of churches together to build maybe a larger gathering that has some more young adults there that you can invite them to talking to your conference hey what's a young adult specific event that we can create for young adults in our region so they can find themselves identify with others and pay attention to i love how you brought this up before they have distinct needs that are not the needs of adults if young adults are getting married later what does that mean They're looking to find somebody. Come on now. (laughs) They're looking to find somebody. And we cannot be oblivious to that as church leaders that, oh, well, you'll just mix into the whole group and we'll pray that God will send you this angel at some point in your life. Like, that's not how it always works. Like, yeah, those stories happen, but we need to not be oblivious to that. The other thing is there are three really important needs for young adults, identity, belonging, and purpose. And when they can't seem to identify with a community, a church community that doesn't respond to their needs, they will go find that elsewhere. Mm. But I want to say this, I don't think that young adults are lost mm. or have left the church or we have all these strong words that we attach to young adults that have disengaged or have become inactive in their church community that really almost pushes them even further. Like, you calling me lost? Like mm. Just because I'm not in your church, does it mean I don't believe in Jesus? Do I not love God still? I'm faithing on my own terms and in my own way. And that's, I think, a really big struggle for adults and parents, especially of young adults, this idea of differentiation. Hey, I'm going to challenge some of the beliefs I grew up with. I'm going to ask some different questions that seem scary to you. And, but that's actually part of what um, is faithing.
2: And I also, I love what you said. I also, it just reminds me of when I was still searching for where I belonged in the church. And that took me several years. And there was one pastor who empowered me and said, because I told him, I was like, I don't think I'm Adventist enough for this. I don't think I'm Christian enough for this. And he said, Kelly, you belong. And any church that you go into, there is space for you as a person, you just have to find it. And so it took me some time to really realize like, you're right. There is space for me. It doesn't, it doesn't matter like what, I mean, it matters what I believe in, but also the church has space for every single mind. And I think we we're just so, some young adults, when I was younger, I I was so closed off to the idea because I had this image of what I thought Adventists should look like. I had this image of what Christians should look like. And that pastor really taught me and showed me, you don't need to have all your ducks lined up in a row. And in fact, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to ask, can you direct and lead this next generation of young adults at this public university? And that's actually how I got involved with ministry in the first place. And it was him providing that keychain leadership of, hey, I know that there has to be someone coming after me. And, and like I'm the generation before, so I'm going to empower you. I think that's where a lot of young adults kind of maybe feel a little bit confused about. Like, where do I really fit in this picture? And having an older adult come up to them and say, hey, Laya, like, I see the potential in you. You don't need to have every single part of your life figured out, which, in fact, a lot of our young adults don't. And that's okay. But, you know, you have this love for Jesus. You have this love for the church. And I see it in you. And I think that we can grow from that.
3: You know, I was talking with a lady here at church last weekend and who's about to celebrate her 80th birthday. And she made the comment that like she thought she'd be celebrating her 80th birthday in heaven. And I wonder if it's that perspective that prevented us from, us as humanity, preventing us from passing on the baton to the next people, Mm -hmm. next generation. Because we're thinking, oh, it's the end of the world, isn't I? Um, and I think it's, we have to be careful of not doing the same when we get there ourselves. Mm, something to, mm. to think about. Such a good
0: point. I want to turn to a passage of Scripture that we'll kind of look at together here in First Timothy chapter 4 and verses 12 to 16. Those of you watching maybe want to pull out your Bibles and join us in this. We're going to just look at this passage that is our preaching passage for the sermon as well this morning. And so if you look at 1 Timothy here, just for a little bit of context, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a young adult leader. Uh, This young adult has taken on a significant leadership role. We don't know how old Timothy is, but we know that he's fairly young and Paul feels the need to give him some guidance in how to run and lead a ministry as an elder in a church. So, Carl, well, you want to read that for us? Verse 12 to where? Uh, why don't you read 12 and 13, and then lie if you read uh, the rest of the passage there.
3: Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. It's a 16. Mm -hmm.
1: Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you.
0: Mm. Wow. Paul here is giving some pretty pointed counsel to Timothy. And he's both encouraging him and admonishing him. He's like, hey, listen, I want to make sure you understand. Don't let anybody undermine you just because you're younger. Mm. How do you respond to that? word of encouragement to, to a young leader. Hey, don't let I anyone
3: mean, it, undermine it, mean, It's highlighted in my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like that idea. Let no one despise your youth. I think that's definitely something I can resonate with. Mm. Um, but Lyra and I were talking before. I really liked the, the next uh, section of that sentence. Mm. Be an example in word, in conduct, in mm. love, in mm. spirit, in faith, and in purity. Like, there's uh, six different things there. And... Um, it's not just let no one despise your youth, but it's let no one despise your youth But be uh, these things, Mm. and I think that's a really important message for the young adults too.
2: Yeah, it's like don't belittle, don't let someone belittle you just because of your age. Mm -hmm. And I think it's telling you, like, hey, I'm empowering you, and not only am I empowering you, actually, God is giving you the ability Mm. to do whatever He has called you to do, Mm. and don't let age get in the way of that.
3: Mm. And don't let uh, your actions give them an opportunity to belittle you. Great point.
1: This, I think, would be easy to do if we saw young adults as they're going to be elders one day, too. Mm. Or they're going to be the age that you are watching this Mm. today. Um, Young people are going to get there as well. So if we see that they are the future of our church, Mm -hmm, truly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, even just looking at our church, how... Tithing, for example, is something huge that young adults and and we don't have to start this conversation, but just a fun fact. Young adults are less likely to tithe to the church because uh, maybe their support or the vision or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And and so what does this mean? This means that we actually have to find a way that our our young people can be um, passionate about our church, because Mm -hmm. otherwise, as you've heard before, the church will die, mm. right? And we care about our church. We care about there being a space where yeah. nowhere else in the world exists a space where people from different generations, cultures, religions, whatever can come and feel like they are a part of something. So we really do have a responsibility to have church continue to exist and thrive. Mm. And so by if, if this makes you uncomfortable then I, I highly suggest that you dig a little bit deeper into the word of God and find out how you can feel like young adults creating a space for young adults doesn't mean it excludes you. But if anything, it includes you because you, you are a mentor and you are a part of mm. uh, making the church a thriving space for
2: Investing. everyone.
0: Investing for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love
2: that. I also just think like just hearing that, if anyone is a young adult watching this, I just want you to know, like, we we love that you are a part of this as mm-hmm. well. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are like, oh, or maybe people who are older than us, like, oh... Um, Young adults, they don't care. But it's like we care so much. We care so much that Lai and I didn't want to be pastors. And we're like, now we want to be pastors because we want to see this church grow. And I think there's actually a lot of young adults who feel that way. Mm. And even though they may have felt some sort of pain. Um, I think there's also so much good in the church that, to me, it outweighs all the pain. It makes it so worth it. I think the painful growth that we have to do now in this generation will like you know that saying when the generation in front of us will crawl so that we can run I think it's the same kind of concept and I want to thank all the young adults who are watching this like thank you for being here thank you for tithing thank you for continuing to pour into your church and I hope that this will just continue to pour into that vision that you have of Mm -hmm. growing your church and making it a
1: safe space so that if we visit we feel that we've been seen Mm -hmm. and to parents of those young adults Do not be concerned or worried if your children are going to other churches, maybe besides the one that you are going to or finding other spaces where there is community and church. Don't be alarmed by that because it means that they genuinely want to seek out mm. God in mm. other spaces. They genuinely want to find a community of faith where they fit. And that's a beautiful thing. So so don't be encouraged by the fact that young adults are still they're still here, they're still passionate, and they, still, they want to be a part of the new vision that is, God is pouring into his church.
0: Mm. Now, when someone's listening to that, they might say, wait, do you mean I shouldn't? And you could kind of list all the different negative ways in which we kind of speak down upon young adults that are trying to explore and learn and grow. What does a parent do when they see their child maybe just maybe choosing to sleep in? Or when they choose to say, you know what, I actually don't want to talk about God anymore right now. Mm. Or they might even go to the furthest extreme, like, I just have better things to do with my life. I don't even want to be part of the church. Mm. How, does, how does that kind of relate?
2: I'm not a parent, so I can't answer this as a parent. But as a kid of a parent who has asked these questions, <laughs> um, I think it's just having the ability to trust in God. It's so much trust because I am where I am today because of my mother's prayers for me. Mm. I am where I am today because of my aunts and all of my grandparents and everyone praying over my life because I know that I walked away saying, if I hear about God one more time, I'm going to puke, right? Because there was a time where I was like, I want nothing to do with God or the church. But it's only in our time that God will continue to let... I mean, I can't imagine God even watching us and being like got to let Kelly just learn her ways and watch her fall a million times before she hits rock bottom and she asks for my help again. You know, I I imagine God just seeing my life and being so incredibly patient Mm. and saying, you know what, when your time comes, you will be ready. Mm. But in these moments where you don't want to be a part of my church, I'm going to ask that you Mm. will continue to strive for some, some level of community, Mm. some level of, um, a space where, hey, I still see my old church friends and I feel a connection to that as well. Mm, mm. But having faith that your child will be okay mm. because it's in God's hands.
1: Mm. And here's here's what we're reading. What we're reading is Paul encouraging Timothy. Mm. So encourage your son, your daughter. What does that mean? Encourage them. In a way that allows them to feel seen and heard by you, Mm, right? mm. That's what Paul is doing here to Timothy. And in turn, Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Mm. So he's encouraging Timothy to also encourage others. Mm. And so Timothy is is being being filled by, of course, by Paul's mentorship. But because of that, he's actually able to feel like he has a purpose because he pours into others. So your son and your daughter, they're going to be pouring into other people. Maybe you don't think that they are right now, but there are so many spaces where they could be doing that in school, out on the street, in a coffee shop or whatever it is. They have a chance to speak positively and and act in a way that people are wondering, wow, this person, this person is really amazing. And this person saw me and spoke to me. Hmm. So encourage your, your children. Encourage who they are and who God has made them to be. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, um, young adults, all of us, really, there's so many ways that we could find truth in so many areas. Um, you know, we have horoscopes and a <laughs> bunch of other things, other ways that we feel like we're getting some form of truth. But the greatest truth is Scripture. Amen. So as long as you are encouraging them with positive affirmations, and that is what scripture is, Mm. it is affirming our identity in Christ, Mm. then you are doing the best job. And Mm. God trusts that God is doing the other part of that.
0: Mm. Amen. 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 Well, the kind of last little remaining moments that we have here what are a few next steps that we could potentially encourage? So talking about encouragement to our maybe uh, older parents that have some young adults, what are some other next steps that we might encourage our global church, our local church, leaders in the church, and even young adults? Let's not leave them out, out of this. Because here, you know, Carl, you made up a great point. Paul said, hey, listen, don't let anyone despise you, but also... Step up, bro. Like, sister, you got to live in a way that brings about others to cherish you and to respect you, too. So that was a good point. But what are some other next steps we can kind of look at?
3: I gave one before. I think the idea of just... um, When we're talking about the idea of Sabbath school, and, and I think it's really important for people to... Ask us young adults to hang out. Uh, whether that's uh, at at Chipotle once a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Zada, I I had a group in when I lived in Oregon, which was just we regularly went to Chipotle every Tuesday, and that was fantastic for conversations and things like that. Having a a an, a an adult we're an adult too but like the the older generation in there in that conversation too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would have been phenomenal and i think that's really that's an option um building spaces for for conversation is really important to me
2: Mm -hmm. i agree i think having first and foremost a vision of what like for every generation, right, for young adults, for older generations, like having a vision. So for young adults, it's like, what is your vision of what a church would look like? What would be a vision of, you know, you would be able to invite whoever you want in your work life, in your school life to bring to church? What kind of church would that look like? Okay, have that vision Now think of how you can create that or start that. And then not only that, but bring that to someone who is a part of your church and say, hey, I have this vision. Will you guide me? Will you mentor me? Will you help me get there? And I think as an older adult, it's like, okay, I have a vision. I want to bring younger people into this church. How do I do that? I'm going to ask one of the young adults that maybe I know, maybe it's my own daughter or son, maybe it's my um, nephew or niece, but if, and then having that conversation, I want to bring young adults to this church. What does that mean? Mm. And maybe he or she says, have coffee in the morning. And you go, huh, coffee? Tell me more. Why should we have coffee? It's like, oh, actually, a lot of young people, we love coffee. We love to to have that smell of coffee. We love just <laughs> drinking coffee. You know, um, there's a lot of coffee snobs in our community, and I think it brings people together. Okay, well, let's have that conversation. So I think having that vision first and foremost, and then that will help create the the safe spaces, the conversations, and that will create and not that pushing thrive. things
0: off the table right away, because someone might say, oh, coffee, well, no, we can't have that. Well, what's a, another warm beverage we could do, right? It's apple about creating... cider. Yeah. Su-
1: <laughs> I don't know if you'll get many young adults if you have apple cider. I'm <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Maybe tea. Maybe tea. Maybe tea. tea. Yeah. Maybe
0: tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you have to find something. Yeah. yeah. But, but not just... Hear them out. I love how you said that. Hey, tell me more. Let's talk about that.
3: And the last thing, like just real quick on on that idea is extending grace. Mm. We have to all be better at extending grace to each other. And that is one of the big things we learn from Jesus. And he is so good at that, of course. But we aren't, like you are just talking about, we push back too quickly. And I think that's a big thing we need to be Mm. better at. That's a great point.
1: Can I add, a short thing
0: yeah, no no you're not allowed to.
1: Aww.
0: <laughs> no we want to hear you we want to hear you <laughs> Laya.
1: so here's a quote that i'm sure many of us have heard before that church should look less like a country club and more like an aa meeting
0: wow mm.
1: so have you ever been to an aa meeting if you have been you know it's alcohol alcoholics anonymous right you know, the process, um, I believe the founder of AA meetings created the steps that were faith-based, mm-hmm. but not meant for faith communities, just meant for any individual. And we were talking with my husband this morning. The last step is to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of us are going through really a lot of hardship in the world. All of us, everybody. big or small, everybody, yeah. right? And so when we share those things together, it bonds us. And that is what community is. We are bonded over something that we are coming to, we are needing. And thankfully, you know, Christianity, we need Jesus. Mm. We know that, right? Mm. We know that we need Jesus. So we come here to be filled by the Holy Spirit and be be spoken to by him. But um, church, what it means for church to look like an AA meeting It means to go through hardships together, walk with people through hardships. And the wonderful thing about AA meetings is you've already hit so low that the only way to go forward is up. Right. Mm. You, you can't go any lower than this. Mm. You're here. You showed up. You're doing the work. And so all you can do is continue showing up the following week and the following week. And once you have found that deliverance, once you have found that freedom, then you can help somebody else. Mm. That is what church is about. Mm. And mm. I think um, it is very simple. It is very simple and easy for us to achieve. But, yeah, it does. Mm. W- it It's something that all of us can do individually.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, our denomination has really been very supportive and very sensitive to young adults throughout its history. And I think the reason potentially why our denomination right now is paying attention is because we understand how we began and the ways in which we wanted to innovate in the past. We want to do it again now. And so our denomination is taking this really seriously, and I absolutely love that. There are leaders who are saying, we want to find a path forward. We don't want to stop here. We don't want to see any more disengage. How can we, ch-? you know, and there is this openness, and the, and the data actually pointed to that. Um, in the next coming months, I'll be publishing a little bit more on that, but I'll just say just this. Our denomination is ready for change and is willing to open. Now, does it mean we have to change theology? no. That isn't what we're talking about. But does it maybe point to the fact that we need to change the methods and the ways in which we're doing ministry and particularly in this demographic of young adulthood? And so right now, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much, you guy and two wonderful ladies. Uh, Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your passion. I think our church members here locally and globally will really be ministered today by what happened here. And so... Just want to pray for us in this final ending here. So thank you so much. Jesus, we want to thank you for being present in this conversation. I know, Father, you spoke loud and clear. God, thank you for our incredible young adults that were up here that shared from their life, their experiences, their thoughts, their passions, and their hopes. And my prayer is that we together, both young and old, could build a future church that all generations can thrive in until you come again. And Jesus, we are longing for that day. But until we get there, God, I pray that we would do all things that we can, as Paul says, all things that we might win some to the gospel. And so, Lord, help us to innovate in this future, in this present for the generations to come. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, friends, for joining us. And we hope we'll see you here next week.